Hello, hello. Hello, I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reef. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Where we watch movies, TV, musicals, Sometimes. <laughs> other things, and we choose and discuss our best and worst lines. We are in episode two of our Nora Ephron late summer, early fall <laughs> tournament. And we have a little bit of a bracket mix up this week. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a movie that this was supposed to be our Steve Martin uh, corner of the bracket. And yes. we have a movie that unfortunately will be forfeiting. Uh, and and we have We're a movie that was yeah, we have a movie that was so good that it gets a bye week, you know, yeah. it's just skating right through to the semifinals. Yeah. That's how freaking awesome it was, and just like I'm just gonna say, it blew my socks off. Just bl I went in with I, no idea what to expect. Was that a pun on my blue heaven? <laughs> it blew your socks off. I mean, I I. I had no idea what to expect either, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But let's... Oh, yes. I thoroughly enjoyed My Blue Heaven. What I did not thoroughly enjoy, though, was um, the movie that we are saying is um, forfeiting its yes. spot in our tournament uh -huh. uh, was Mixed Nuts. It's the 1994 uh, Christmas comedy um, starring Steve Martin. The cast is terrific. It's Steve Martin, oh, Madeline yes. Kahn, Juliette Lewis, uh, Gary Shandling. Anthony, Anthony uh, LaPaglia. Rita Wilson. Rob Reiner. Yeah. Adam Sandler. And Adam Sandler in one of his very first movie roles, doing some very quintessential Adam Sandler-y things. Early Adam Sandler, yeah. Just pretty much um, doing an Adam Sandler voice. <laughs> Leif Schreiber, um, did you say Leif Schreiber? I didn't, Leif Schreiber. Okay. Um, so here, Jessica has some things to say on Mixed Nuts. I, I'll let you start, Jess, and then I can... Okay. So I finished the movie. I, I believe that I had seen this movie, like... A long time ago, probably shortly after it came out. I think it was, so I would have been like a teenager. And I'm sure that it was something I literally grabbed because the That's cover Steve is Martin. Steve Martin. <laughs> so yeah, I, I remembered like this vague imagery of it. And the imagery that I remembered was the part of the movie that I actually really enjoyed, which is like the last half hour or so, um, give or take. I did not make it that far. Thank you very much. There is a discussion to be had about this movie, but I will tell you what the discussion is that I feel like um, should be had as we as a society decide what we think is culturally acceptable humor and what we think is not. And what a, a really interesting point in this topic is, is that this is based on a French dark comedy farce, a play that was then made into a movie in 1982 with a, with a pretty popular French comedy troupe that does a lot of farcical uh, French comedy films. I looked, we'll just say, the reviews for Mixed Nuts in in the Are United States, terrible. Not favorable. Rotten Tomatoes, you know, audiences hate it. People who've watched it since hate it. Reviewers hated, hated it. it. The French version, which I didn't watch. Um, <laughs> but now I'm very curious, too. But it seems like it has the exact same premise. And that's what I can't understand, is that what is insensitive about this movie is the setup. Not necessarily, right. there are some things that are handled really poorly as you get farther into the movie, but not so blatantly as the, like, like uh, Melanie was saying, she made it about 25 minutes through the movie, uh, she told me before we started recording. The exposition of this movie, the setup, the premise of why these characters are together is so horribly handled and insensitive. Yeah. And so it let's... seems to me like that is the same in the French version of the film. And so that's where I get a little confused. Is like, and, and all I can guess is that maybe, you know, it was a little 
bit older, so maybe some of these reviews are older, but a lot of them looked current um, for the French I wonder if- film. And, and it is maybe just something that they, that it is a cultural difference, you know? Maybe yeah. that is something that they're just okay joking about and we're not. Maybe. And what it so is... So we should explain what the yes. setup is. And let's... Content warning on this one. Um, yes. The, the setup, the, the characters, um, Steve Martin, Rita Wilson, Madeline Kahn run a suicide hotline um, on Christmas Eve is what the setup is. Um, I had a hard time with the yeah. premise just in general. And I think that is where I, I had a hard time with the handling of the premise because it, it handled suicide in a way that I thought was um, very cavalier. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And to me, I was like, I don't think I can watch or like, I can clearly talk about the movie, um, but I don't think I could talk about it in the same way that we normally do. So I'm going to let Jess say right. her piece because I did not finish the movie because I was like, I can't. And there was also uh Liev Schreiber plays a person who's trans, which like also a straight cis male actor playing a person who's trans. That's just becoming a thing we're dealing with, we're dealing with in 2022. Right. And, and it was sort of this nebulous thing that a lot of people didn't take the time to understand mm-hmm. in the nineties. And so yeah. he's Liv Schreiber's character is described as a transvestite. So that would still be a male presenting person who enjoys wearing women's clothing. Oh, so that would be more of a drag queen then. But the, than somebody who's trans. Kind of, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, so let's just like, start with let's just start with the term transvestite is offensive and right. outdated. And yes, it's like, outdated. So and and so it's not really clearly defined, but then you do at first it's like, okay, you know, I I grew up not grew up, but I watched Eddie Izzard. Oh, I love Eddie Izzard. And she only recently came out as trans for mm-hmm. decades, presented as a male or masculine overall, but enjoyed wearing full female getup when she felt like it. Because, well, because that's, so, but I it's, mean, it, but it's one of those things. It's like, until the last like three years right i mean language and the understanding of that concept wasn't there well it was so dangerous and is still so dangerous too yeah so i mean it's and it's really only been the last few years where we've talked about like the gender binary and how it's right right not inclusive and anyway that so, was a secondary problem i had with the movie my main problem it, was like i didn't right. appreciate how they treated how the setup of the suicide prevention hotline was used for a source of comedy correct when i don't think it should be anyway just say your piece because i said that now (laughs) well and there's so it's just like not with both of these topics it's not clearly defined right i think if you're going to use a premise like this a setup like this then there are ways to go about and have your wacky, absurd comedy, but have these things still make sense and be handled in a more sensitive manner. But I think, like, what you're saying is, like, it was just added into the wacky comedy of it. And that isn't something that you do this with. But they do sort of float through a majority of the movie, like, Kind of after you get through that big exposition chunk, they do sort of float through the rest of the movie, like not talking about it, not dealing with it, basically ignoring it exists, other than occasionally answering the phone for someone who doesn't need to talk about suicide, or the main character's Steve Martin character, like trying to deal with the fact that their offices are going to be and well in his home he lives in the office that they're mm-hmm. going to be evicted right so it's like it's the driving force of of his decisions but at the same time after 30 yeah 30 to 40 minutes of the movie it's it's almost like it's this tertiary side plot 
Um, right. So, which which made me wonder, like, why did we even need it then? You I know, mean, I understand, and that's the idea where I guess having... the whole thing rattles around in my brain and does stick with me is like this movie has comedy in it that works for me anyway. There um, are moments where I mean, Madeline Kahn is a genius. Perfect. So in anything she Fan- anything she does, yes. Madeline Kahn is a genius. Was a genius. And and this this there's a whole secondary or I would call it the main plot. It doesn't pop up until halfway through the movie, um, or even kind of the third act. Um, that part I think really was like. Was this the Seaside Strangler plot? Yes. Because they do mention so, the Seaside Strangler. Like, there's a serial killer going around, too. Right. So they do mention him in the first 20 minutes that I've yeah. seen. Because and somebody calls in and was afraid of the Seaside Strangler. Uh-huh. That gets resolved, and there's a whole... There's, like, kind of the, what I... The enjoyable part of the movie, to me, was when they're, they all... All of these characters end up together for a Christmas Eve dinner at the hotline office slash Mm -hmm. Steve Martin's house. And so just seeing them interact and then because we have a lot of these like like Juliette Lewis's character is just so like heightened and uh, sort of manic like all of these things happen and then we get to this resolution of like of everything because she's pregnant and she needs to figure out like how to pay for the baby and Steve Martin needs to figure out where he's going to move his office because the whole apartment building is getting turned into condominiums mm-hmm. and um and then you have this looming thing with the seaside strangler and this all gets like wrapped up in this very absurd farcical dark comedy way that i thought worked so so it's like, I guess that's what gets to me is like, why then did we have to add, why did we have to have it be based in this premise that is so insensitive? And and I think I mean, that that's the lesson the to be, like... and that's what, that's, I guess, what I wanted to take from it is like, so we do have, so I don't want to say that none of this works. Some of this works. And as we're looking to move forward, as we're looking at what we're going to remake or what we're going to put back on a stage or whatever, it's like things like this should be looked at with a critical eye for, right. for how it was handled. And then... You have to decide, and I think this decision should have been made when Nora Ephron and her sister decided to because to they adapted adapt the script. this from the French movie to not use this element. You can say, I mean, "Are we going to tweak it? Are we going to still use it, but are we going to treat it better, or are we just going to take it out?" And in this case, I would say, "The I think you just take it out." I think there are so many ways that in Venice Beach, California, on Christmas Eve, you can have a cast of wacky people come together for absurdity. And let's just also like call out the insensitiveness of the title of the movie. Yes. Just because if you're bringing a bunch of wacky people together and then calling it mixed nuts, like that is, again, one of those things that wouldn't have been a problem necessarily. And like problem in when this was made but one of those things is like wow that's incredibly insensitive yes and, and they try like, to make really it problematic cute, they try to make a cute like tie-in of it like a joke of it i don't know if you got that far i don't think i did but there's he does have this line and i thought this was a really funny line and it almost is like and probably would be my best line because it's sort of encapsulates this conversation that we're having and he has this little saying and he says in every pothole there is hope and then he goes on to say like how you'd have to rearrange the letters or what letters you have to take out but in every pothole there is hope and (laughs) this movie is a huge pothole but there is this glimmer of like if you look down in the pothole and maybe see like this little speck of uh of you know quartz or something there's like it's there's something in there that works but it's so messy and destructive in getting to it um but he says in every pothole there is hope and 
the Rita Wilson character who they're kind of both secretly pining for each other a little bit right. through the, throughout the movie is like, I remember when, I remember you say that a lot. And he says, my dad used to say that to me every day. And she says, I do yeah. like that line. That's a great, that's before, a great line. Before he got hit by a semi truck. And then in unison, they say full of mixed nuts. <laughs> And so it, it's, it is one of those things like that is something that this movie does very, and it, it is Nora Ephron very much written on a lot of these lines where we take these conversations and we think we know where they're going with it. And then boom, all of a sudden it's this like dark sort of twisty thing. And it's like, there's enough of that. There's enough of that to make it a dark comedy without going so far to the edge to be like, and they work at a suicide hotline. I mean, the thing you is, know, if you could have even like, had one. I feel like we could have even had the suicide hotline. Like that, like, I don't mind having this premise of these people who are, because he says earlier in the movie, like, we're doing something good. We're helping people. Like, I don't mind yeah. having the premise of they work, but they make such a joke out of right, right. suicide. Well, that's what like, I mean that, to like, to me was the problem. Making it be part of the edginess and the, the wackiness and stuff. Like, and it that's kind of what I was it saying. It could have just been they, where they work and yeah. they could have been people who were like, they could have been wacky. The situation didn't have to be wacky. Right. And we, and we hear so much in the rest of the movie, they constantly talk about how good he is at the job. Right. That's great. But then we, could we have barely had ever see him actually being the one. We actually see more of the Rita Wilson character. And Madeline Kahn. Who are Madeline terrible Kahn at their jobs. Who are awful at it. Madeline Which Kahn is, is judgmental and insensitive. And, and Rita Wilson is just completely socially inept. <laughs> Right, which so, is why it's like which is where I had a problem with the movie right, because right. If, if you actually have like if you if you set up that premise of like these people are trying to do good work on Christmas Eve because that's a real thing that is a yeah. real thing and he's actually good at his job and like if they were actually competent and it just happened to be that they all worked together and they got stuck in the building because that's essentially what happens if that is the premise fine yeah but, like the the joke making light of people's mental struggles and suicide yeah. was yeah. where was I was like, much. I, I no, was like, I, I can't, I can't watch the rest of this movie. Um, I will say on the subject of progress, this is a quote that I, I was looking to see where I had this written down. I've been really into Rebecca Solnit recently because she just has some wonderful like articles as like a bomb to my soul in these like very turbulent times that we are living in um, because she offers just great pr perspective. And one of the ones that I was reading was she talks about like progressive change and like how, especially like, I mean, I think this was, this was particularly in reference to um, reproductive rights, but it was also talking about um, LGBTQ rights. And what she says is um, progressive change then can happen at the worst of times and the, often the process of change is so subtle that we don't even realize it's happening until we look back. Just think of all the films and books and other works of art we once admired, but which we now see strewn with prejudices and oppressions we hadn't noticed before. That act of noticing something that we didn't notice before, that is the result of a shifted consciousness transformed through activism and progress. And that to me is like encapsulates so much of what we've talked about on so so many of these movies that we've seen yeah, from earlier absolutely. movies but like particularly this one it's like this was mid 90s and like mid 90s comedy is not no as far as the, no as far as the like sensitivity level goes and like i will say like comedy like comedy is supposed to push the push an envelope like i get that i'm not going to say like i am a huge mel brooks fan huge mel brooks fan same and i like Mel Brooks pushes the envelope, but there's something about the way that it's done that, it, to me, is different. Mm -hmm. And what the, who's the butt of the joke? Because that's the thing about Mel yeah. Brooks, is yeah. the butt of the joke in, like, if you're looking at the producers, for example, the butt of the joke is Hitler. Which, yeah. fine. Yes, great. should be the butt I'm of fine most jokes. <laughs> I'm fine Everybody having the butt tear, of the joke. tear him, drag him, go. <laughs> but the butt of the joke is not the people who are suffering. And that was right. my problem with this movie. Is the butt of the joke well, for the people who are suffering. And that punching down is always going to be a problem to me. And again, and I don't, 
I don't want to put this squarely. I there are places to put blame on Nora Ephron, but this is source material. This is an adaptation of source yeah. material. Arguably, I would say it shouldn't have been adapted, but um, it was a huge be- hit. It's like a cult thing. It's like a cult classic Christmas comedy Woo! say that a few times fast in france people love this movie and um you know and one of the things that like a rabbit hole i went down is like like american film snobs also love this movie you know i wonder if like i just just knowing what i know about french humor i bet it's more deftly handled like that to me it feels like I, okay, so here's what here's I want to believe like, have it. You watched, and that was have you watched Call My Agent? No. Okay, so like French humor, it's just it's a different humor. Like it's oh, not I know. a I mean, I've it's seen, not a, like yeah. It's, but I think it's here's, just a different humor. But right, and I and that was what I in my brain, and that's why I went down this rabbit hole. I was like, there has to be something different. There has to be a different way that this is handled. A few of the synopses of the play said that the play. Uh, focused on a hotline for lonely people. And I was like, okay, a hotline for lonely people on Christmas, that makes sense. But nope, in the movie, it's a suicide hotline. Again. I wonder though- and there are like, there were things in various summaries of the French movie that actually sounded worse to me. Oh, I believe that too. Like, I- Especially for sure. so the handling of the trans character, which I well, want to point I out. Actually, believe too. I want to point out that it was about fifty-fifty on this, to the point where there was one scene with Liev Schreiber and Adam Sandler that was so wonderfully done, so like endearingly handled what an interaction should look like mm-hmm. and and it's just like you know then why couldn't it have been that way the whole time and there are some it it, it just goes back and forth from like oh this is being handled well to oh my god that's so crappy oh this is being handled really well and there's just an adorable scene between um, those two characters, and I was like, see if we could have just been doing this the whole time. And because they know that it's sweet and it was the right thing to do. So it's like, yeah. when you know, when you know what the right interaction looks like, and Why then you, you choose to do the other things, your humor is off. Even yeah, back in something... 1994, yeah. you know, you can't just dangle like, the good treatment, what you know is the right way to portray something, to handle something, to be in real life, and then go, huh, well, we're not going to do that because isn't this totally wrong thing funny? Like, that's bullshit. That's just yeah. bullshit. And that's how so many, um, just a lot of things got handled. That's exactly, you're exactly right. The, the punching down. There's a way to talk about this movie where you ignore what we're talking about and just focus on the comedy. And I didn't want to do that and have somebody no. go watch this movie thinking that it is just the good parts. I really don't think anybody should go watch this movie. No, I, I'm going to say, well, um, I mean, I tapped out at 25 minutes, so. Right. And, and so what I didn't want to do was try to treat this movie on the same analytical level or comedic level from a script yeah or anything like that to the other movie we did which was freaking awesome i loved so it i, I was like that where, was a delight where the decision came to just not do this movie to just Except we did do this tap movie. it out <laughs> to just remove it. So we're having like the discussion that we're having is about how we want to uh, is justifying taking this movie out of the tournament, not having a discussion about making it belong or letting it be part of it. Um because I don't want to put it on the same level as My Blue Heaven, which which was 
completely light. Do not know how I have not seen this movie until this week. I, did you know anything about this movie before no, we watched it? No, single thing. Me neither. Not, I had never heard of it before. No, I had heard the title, and that was it. Okay, so My Blue Heaven, the premise I think of I've Steve, heard Martin. Steve Martin talk about it once or twice, okay. like in some of his stand-up type stuff. So oh Steve Martin plays so a mobster in who is in a witness protection program. Yeah, he has and flipped. He, well, he's flipped. Um, <laughs> he's an informant. Of. He's an informant. Flipped is a generous way of... It's, it's, that's overstating what he has done. But he has informed the FBI and he's set up in a safe house somewhere in the middle of California? And they're say? in San Diego, outside of San okay. Diego, yeah. So, like, in like a small town outside of San Diego, his wife is Freiburg. 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 <laughs> um, yes, they're in Freiburg, right outside of San Diego. His wife is with them. They get to this small town. They get to their, like, you know, white picket fence house. And she's like, uh-uh, going back to New York. Sorry, babe. So she Immediately. leaves him. Immediately. <laughs> um, they're, the FBI um, handler that they're working at, Rick Moranis, who was wonderful, mm-hmm. is also there. His wife also leaves him within, like, the first five minutes of the movie mm-hmm. for one of her baseball playing clients. She's a sports psychologist. Oh yeah. Because they, San Diego, the Padres. Yeah. They, there's yeah. a lot, a big plot around the Padres mm-hmm. for baseball. And so that's the setup is that Steve Martin is in the witness protection program in the small town, but he is like, his Const- real name is like Vinny Antonelli. Vinny, yeah. Um, and he is now Todd, Todd Wilkins or something. W- Wilkinson or something like yeah. that. Um, and so he is now trying to blend into this town, and he uh, does not blend. Constantly getting into misdemeanor problems. He and so constantly steals a car. That's not yeah. a misdemeanor. Well. <laughs> That's a felony. That's true. Okay, felony. <laughs> yes. Um, small, small little rackets uh, involving yeah. swordfish and. Uh, books well shipments he of discovers books and he discovers that there's a bunch of the like he runs into at one point there's a lot of so them he's that arrested been, for stealing yeah. a car um joe cusack is playing the uh yes. da he keeps running into this one specific da in this yeah uh, and she's county. like she's like really set on prosecuting him the fbi's mm-hmm. like you can't he's an informant yeah. and so like that's a whole thing she runs into him when she's going to try to replace the she has two kids. She accidentally killed one of their turtles. And so she's going to replace this turtle. And that's when um, Steve Martin figures out that there's a whole bunch of mobsters who have, like, who have been relocated to this town. And he, because he runs into, the guy who runs the bed shop is one of his old mafia buddies. Mm-hmm. And that's how he, like, finds out that there's a whole bunch of like old people he knew and they had this great reunion scene of like a party where it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, hey! and they're like all telling their new names and their like assumed identities, <laughs> um, which is very, very funny. And Steve Martin decides like, once he finds out you don't just get a check from the government for the rest of your life, like once you testify, you don't get money from the government anymore. Yeah. Um, so Steve Martin's like, well, we have enough of us here. So they start running their own like, Organized crime ring in Freiburg. Organized crime, yeah, absolutely. Sandy or Freiburg, California, and it is so funny. Like what happens is just so mm-hmm. funny, and it's kind of like actually this was this is what I was going to say about this movie, Jess. It, it felt very Music Man because you have the con man who comes to town. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely a little more over the like over the top of like yeah. A more over the top. But you have character. the guy who comes to town, and like he doesn't fall in love with Joe Cusack. Yes, but like everybody. he just sweet talks. But he does get his foot caught stuck, stuck in the door because the at the end. So they're like raising money. He's one of the things that he like ruses. He used to raise money. Joe Cusack has two kids. He, um, they're like they don't have a very good baseball field, and he's like, well, these kids deserve a baseball field. And he's like, well, fundraise. And so he uses that as a ruse to raise money. He gets arrested again for running organized crime. And then he's like, oh, no, I'm using this to 
build a baseball field and then he the the, the yeah. conclusion of the movie is that Does he it. actually builds a baseball field and like ends up staying in yeah. um Freiburg. I mean, after being chased by the guys he ran mm-hmm. on and that hit men and stuff. But like that to me was so music man. Yeah. Anyway, go for it. We just gave a very quick I just gave very a very much, quick very much, of the whole like, entire movie. Jess, would you like to speak now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was just gonna say I was looking at my notes, I didn't pick a best line. Mm. Because there were so many that I just really I think I have like one or two that I was really leaning towards, but like hard to pick a worst line. Um, I have a worst line too. Really, really had a hard time picking a best line out of all of it because it was just clever. It was just very, very clever. Very. We're, this is hard. We we did a hard thing to ourselves. Nora Ephron is so good so at one-liners. What are some of your favorites? And, oh, this I I texted you and told you that I choked on my dinner. Uh-huh. In the very beginning, when Rick Moranis is putting them in the house, and this was a great line. I loved this line first, but this is not the line that made me almost die. This is a real nice house. One of the nicest I've ever moved people like you into. (laughs) So he's dropping Steve Martin and the wife, the first, the original wife that leaves him right after. He's taking them to their new house in this little suburban. I mean, and it's like a brand new house like they haven't even put the you know the sod back down in the in the yards and there's and as she's like calling for a cab there's just like a horse out out back outside their kitchen I noticed that. <laughs> and and so and rick marianas just talks nonstop, and he's like uh my, my wife's a sports psychologist we have tickets to the she works with a lot of the baseball players. We have tickets to the Padres all the time if you guys like baseball. And they're both kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, we like baseball. And he goes, although you folks are probably Yankees fans, it's been my experience that most organized crime people are. <laughs> I just, like, cackled out loud while I had food in my mouth. It was very disgusting and rude, but oh my god, that was one of the funniest lines I think I've that, heard in a movie. In that same scene, I just wrote so many things down in that same scene because it, it's like, and then he tries her, to tip him. When oh he's my god, he was like, you don't tip FBI <laughs> men. T- this is my job. I get paid for this. Yeah, you don't tip FBI men, and then Steve Martin's like, sure you do. Sure you do. <laughs> so my my what what first got me, and this is not necessarily the line itself, but the line read from Steve Martin is so wonderful. Rick Moranis is like, um, "What's your social security number?" And yeah. you can tell <laughs> Steve Martin is just like bullshitting him completely, yeah. and he just starts like listing off numbers one by one, like five. Five, one. And it, the way he does it is so slow <laughs> yeah. and like methodical. And it's just so. And then Eric Maranis is like, that's one too many eight. numbers. Yeah, that's one yeah, too many does, numbers. He says five, two. And he goes, or two, five. Two, five. And he goes, and he goes that's one too many. many numbers. And he goes, take off the five. I'll take away the five. <laughs> like, it's just it's like not a, not a real number. I'll need your social security number so I can process your payment. My what? Your social security number so we can pay you. Two, two, one, one, five, five, dash, six, six, nine, nine, dash, eight, eight, two, two, one, one, two, five, two, that's one too many numbers. Take off the five. Uh, then, oh, I think it's after the the first time that he gets, that he gets sort of rescued from the Joan Cusack character. And I think there's a couple, couple FBI guys there. Like mm-hmm. it's Rick Moranis and then kind of his little desk partner that yeah. is just a very random, hilarious so character. Weird. All of his dancing and was somebody, so funny. Like, I know. Somebody like asks him, um, is there anything we can get for you? Like, can, can we do for you or whatever? And he's like, arugula. 
I haven't had any arugula in six weeks. And they're like, what's arugula? And he goes, it's a vegetable. Which I do take issue with that. People in California would know what arugula is. Right. In San Diego... Uh, in 1990, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe um, they're just trying to say, like, this is kind of like a little podunk a town. But, but the but, FBI guys, you know, they probably had a little bit of money at the time. I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> so my favorite, like, with the FBI guys, um, when Rick Moranis is telling, like, he wants to do something exciting. He wants to go do a stakeout, which then plays off, pays up later when he has to go do a stakeout. <laughs> and, it's like, the partner, um, I don't want to fill out. Like, he goes, I don't want to fill out any farms anymore. I don't want to stake out. I want to stake out a real son of a bitch in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. I want to eat a lot of takeout food. And this was the line that got me because it's like heightening. I want to, and like kind of heightening, like stake out in the middle of nowhere. I want to eat a lot of takeout food. And then he says, I want to wear a windbreaker. And I'm like, that is the, like, that's such a fun, you, you think it's going to heighten to this like insane thing. Like I want to take down whatever. I want to wear a windbreaker. I'm like, what? I loved to the first conversation, like in that conversation, I think that they're talking about undercover and they'll get the partner says, once when I was undercover, I got to drive a BMW. Yep. I wrote that one down too. It was so funny. And then he, and then he says, can't help it. It was a high point in my life. Yes. Or like you keep talking about it and he says, can't help it. It was a high point in my life. Can't help it. It's so good. There is this just running thing of like Rick Moran, like people being undercover or like saying that they're undercover, and Rick, Rick Moran is being like, "Who made you undercover?" Right when when he goes when he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go get this guy." Like the first time, like that that uh, Vinny Steve Martin tries to do some like you know shady. They like have an yeah. informant, and, like the the FBI guy is meeting him. And he's like, "We got ourselves a criminal." Um, he like goes back to Rick Moranis, who's like listening to this whole conversation he's like Vinny what are you doing and he's like we got ourselves a criminal it's like no we didn't we got ourselves a, we got, like the guy we already, already had, had. <laughs> we already had that one um it was so so funny um I also loved Rick Moranis's character like the whole thing with okay returning champion Colleen Camp played his wife yes mm-hmm. um she was in Clue she's the French maid mm-hmm. she's a vet in Clue um but when she's like explaining that he's so predictable and boring she's like you have a system the for pancake eating pancakes system. i was <laughs> like know. who doesn't have a pancake system it, i mean what true. are you gonna who eat doesn't? a dry pancake and then we see Come like on. his we see rick moranis like in the office watching the padres and like baseball is a big thing in this and movie. he stands he stands up. for the president i do he stands for the national anthem alone, alone in the dark in he's, a dark office he stands for the national the, anthem on the tv yeah, on the t- with the TV on, it, and he's looking over some paperwork or something, and he stands for the Like, stops what anthem. he does and stands for the National Anthem on the TV. And I was just like, that is so funny. See, this is where we get into, like, this, the, what makes a great Nora Ephron movie. It's idea. And it's these details in well, the characters. Or, like, even the chirons, like, that come on in the middle yes. of, like, explaining, because they're all, like... And then I do this. It's like very much Vinny, yeah. like narrating. Then I surprise everyone. <laughs> right, exactly. Or like, um, it's just very, like my new friend doesn't have, a, like a, has problems too, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But these little details, like the arugula and the tipping, because he's always trying to tip people. Well, he tries that to tip the flight attendant when they go to New the York. The flight attendant. And he ends up just sticking the money in her skirt pocket anyway which i thought was sweet he was really insistent on like giving people a tip well i mean because he basically got her to break the rules for him to get four scotches instead of two so if she's gonna go through the extra trouble for him she should be compensated yeah joan cusack was great in this movie too like she was it was not her typical role no but she was so good in it and like i loved her and rick moranis together i thought they were very sweet Um, I loved when the first time she arrests Steve Martin, he asks her, like, have you, uh, he, like, comments on how much he hates her shoes, which, like, okay, whatever. But, like, yeah. and that, that that was, like, one of those, eh, okay, she's, like, you should be wearing a pump or something like that. It's, like, mm. but, like, he, like, comments something on Something about her legs, like, you're not going to get another man. Which you're I was, like, You're not going to find a new husband if your calves are sagging or something like and that. And I was, like, if I was, calves like, aren't tight. I'm, like, okay. oh, And I was, God. like, I don't love that, but also care. That works for the character. Fine. He, she goes, he goes, let me ask you, have you ever been wrong about anything? And she, having recently been divorced, goes, yes once and steve martin says 
The shoes, right? The shoes are tragic. (laughs) (laughs) So we've just thrown out all of these, like, fantastic lines. You said you don't have a best line. I, I, I have one. Okay. And, and, um, (laughs) so I, I did want to read this line though, and it kind of like leads into, um, my best line because I think it like really just grabs this character and it happens at the, the, like the peak of all of these things. Mm Mm-hmm tying up like at the same time in just like massive amounts of pay like payoff satisfaction i just loved the ending was so good like everything got a perfect little ribbon on it it was fantastically done um but so he's every time he gets picked up for these little uh, these little theft things he's doing with stealing people's cars like the first time he's says he's like trying to he's like saying that he didn't realize it was a reverend's car but he's like put i think it's swordfish his swordfish and some stolen books and stuff in the back like all this weird stuff and so he's trying to explain to her and he's always telling these very obviously false just plausible enough because he is such a wacky guy he's telling these stories Very elaborate stories like this the first story has something to do with thanksgiving oh yeah um, and he's like that- thanksgiving is very big with italians like thanksgiving is very big with italians and yeah, she's, but like, she's like what? No, no thanksgiving not. is an american holiday and she goes but do you and, know any sicilians like, i don't know any yeah do you know any sicilians thanksgiving, thanksgiving is very big, big in sicily, sicily. On account of the large amount of Sicilians coming to America and getting kicked back out again. <laughs> so it's, and there are other ones. I couldn't write them all down, but I would have if I could because you just need to go watch because these That's stories so that he tells just off the cuff oh, he has another are one so hilarious. Where he's talking about he, he never touches a gun. And um, this is towards mm-hmm. the end after they like get arrested because – there's a there's a stakeout that goes wrong because then they're doing a deal. Like it's it all goes wrong. Both he and Rick Moranis get arrested, and they're talking. He goes, "I've never touched a gun," in, or I guess he gets arrested. Rick Moranis doesn't. It's after they're they're at that lounge. Motel. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a great scene they in, the when lounge. they go to the New York. The merengue motif is hilarious. Amazing. I love well, it. They go to it New York for such- his. Yeah, they go to New York and they're at that lounge trial. in New York. And Rick uh-huh. Mar- or Steve Martin tricks Rick Moranis. Um, saying like he needs to get his new suit pressed, so he's gonna go. And Rick Moranis shows up to this. He realizes he's been tricked, um, and so he follows or shows up to where Steve Martin is. And Steve Martin's like, "Look, if you if these guys know that you're FBI, we're in a lot of trouble. So just play along." Yeah. And so it like gets Rick Moranis to like loosen up. He's like wearing his boxers because Steve Martin has his pants. <laughs> And a trench coat. <laughs> and like he teaches them how to dance and have fun and merengue. And it was a great scene. So great. And it comes so, back multiple times, yes. the merengue. Yes, and because that's the only dance he knows now. The first merengue had major, major night at the Roxbury vibes yes. going on. <laughs> And I yes. just loved it. It was so good. But they were actually, like, re- dancing really well. Um, um, and, and I just, so, I loved it. Yeah. I, we still didn't get to your best line. Sorry, I went on another tangent. Oh, oh, oh. No, he does. And yeah, that's the thing. Like, he tells this whole big, complicated story. And I don't really remember. I don't know if you wrote it down. But he tells this whole story about why he never touches a gun. Like, he's, because Rick Moranis has to shoot at, he shoots the chandelier because the two, like, mafia guys come after them mm-hmm. and he shoots the chandelier and they scurry out so he has this whole story so rick moranis thinks he can't shoot a gun oh and so he, <laughs> so uh, steve martin says i've never touched a gun in my life it doomed me to middle management and that's the truth and i was like the doomed me to middle management is such a great way of <laughs> so um so but then we get to the end and he's telling another story they're at this uh the grounds where they broke the ground overnight 
Yeah. Because, um, for because this she was like, I'm going to actually arrest you if this is like not good. Like if you're yeah. stealing, the, stealing this money from the community and the children and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you show up and the, all the mafia guys, mm-hmm. he like, he gets, he uses his one phone call to call yep. in a favor. And all of the, all of the guys who've been laundering money are now building this baseball field. <laughs> and the hitmen have come to his arraignment where Rick Moranis, again, is saying, like, you've got to let him out on bail. She wants him to be held uh, no bail. Yeah. And and he's like, uh, and Rick Moranis is like, no, we have to go back soon. He has to testify again. You have to let him out on bail, but, like, release him to FBI custody. And she goes off on this whole thing, like, this is part of some weird paranoid fantasy. Nobody cares about him. Nobody cares that he's here. Um, Nobody's going to come get him in our in this court or in our jail or whatever. And then the two mafia hitmen show up at the court, start shooting it. Mm-hmm. They end up going to the in. There's kind of a little bit of a chase. And I think they end up taking her to the field to be like, look, yeah, <laughs> I did it. And the mafia guys do end up following them there. Ranged all this from jail to avoid prosecution for embezzlement. Now that hurts. Because this was my intention from the very beginning. The children needed a ballpark, and I responded. See, I know how it feels to be disappointed. When I was seven years old, no, eight, all I wanted for Christmas was a new red bicycle. My favorite uncle, Uncle Alfresco, swore to me that he would buy me that bicycle. I counted the days until Christmas. Five o'clock, Christmas morning, I run right. down... Nobody move. This is just between Vinny and us. Guys, I'm in the middle of an anecdote. Guys, I'm in the middle of an anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's my favorite line. Like, that whole scene is my favorite scene because then he does just like pick up a random gun. Oh, he picks up the police officer's gun. Uh, the, the girl, the, that he ends up marrying (laughs) and popping out a strangely mature child with in a span of a year. (laughs) I don't think Um, I caught that. So I'd have to go back. There's a baby in her lap that looks to be like six or seven months old. I'm sure they're trying to pass this baby off as like a one month old or a two month old. The baby is sitting up in her lap and it's supposed to be his, but it's only been a year, but you can't have little, little babies on set. Yeah. So So they have to use these. So they chose just a, a really unfortunately Long, large large baby well there you go <laughs> to be to try to be this like one or two month old baby but i just think it like represents his character that his character has just used these endearing charming anecdotes to skate through these all everything he's done in this town for this whole movie mm-hmm. and then he picks up the gun and just like, boom, hits one of the guys. No problem. Come on, kids. Uh, move back out of the way and everybody just get out of the way. Take position. Nice action. Thanks. I thought you didn't I know lied. <laughs> I just loved it like all of it so it just like represents that character it just represents that like everything is getting resolved in this just like such hilariousness so charming I cannot say enough good things about this movie no I loved it did so you my... notice so then oh. they flash forward a year and the park is having their that was my and, music and man like, moment. It's a nice stadium for these kids, or and a nice park for out. these kids, and they're the Freiburg Turtles. Oh, I didn't catch the turtles, <laughs> but they all come out in these like these baseball suits. He's in this like white. Yes, they look power like suit. they're like printed red shirts with yellow ties. It's like and then they have like suit jackets on it, and like and like shoulder pads. But I was like, that was my music man moment because it was like. Uh-huh. 
it was like very the ending 76 trombones absolutely okay but my so my best line is actually going back and it's not a comedic line so it's in the courtroom when he's testifying so he goes back to new york and he's not supposed to tell anybody that he's there and like when he gets to the airport his whole family is there and his mother is just like crying because they all thought he's dead i mean that's the whole thing yeah and his mom it's just like a very touching moment you can see that he like really loves his family and so they're in the court the um the defense attorney for who he's testifying against is basically being like what do you get in exchange for testifying like you get a house you get a check you get all these things like of course you're going to like sell my clients out but what steve might respond is i never yeah i get all those things and basically says that i never get to see my parents again my loved ones. I get to live in a place. It's okay. Don't get me wrong. The air is clean. The people are nice. But for a guy like me who was raised on the sidewalks of the city that never sleeps, it's a living hell. And I thought that was such a, like, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, obviously he ends up staying there and he ends up making it his place. Like what we right. see at the end in him, like all the guys being like, hey, Vinny, like he ends up finding that community. But like uh-huh. that is such a, like, it sums up like, yeah, this guy's been trying to like skate the system and do all these things, but that's why because he's been like he ne- he has to give up everything he's known to be in this like you know, and it's I, I just thought it was like a really endearing moment where you have like this like honest moment from this character that yeah. has not been honest a second in this whole movie. I mean, part for the course of like that's just, but like then you have that very honest moment of like no, yeah, no, it's. Yeah, and I really liked his other sort of, like, philosophical, emotional, not really emotional, but his other just sort of, like, straight moment when he does, he he does all this stuff. He, he enlists his family's help to basically bombard Rick Moranis so he can sneak off and mm-hmm. get out of Rick Moranis's clutches for the night so that in the morning at 9 a.m. he can go to his New York tailor. Yeah. <laughs> so Rick Moranis knows exactly where he's going to be in the morning. He goes and meets him and they convince Rick Moranis to get a new suit. A nice suit. And as M- Rick Moranis is in the dressing room changing into the suit, he has this whole speech and I didn't write it down word for word. Um, but he basically is like, people don't change. It's very hard for people to change. And I I have a lot of experience with this. Uh, but so sometimes if you need to make a change, you got to force that change from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because that's sort of what he does to Rick Moranis. Like but he makes also... all these physical changes to Rick Moranis, but at the same time, he never changes his appearance or the way that he treats anybody, but he changes himself. Yeah. Vinny does. Yeah. And that's like kind of at the end before we get the to that whole climactic him, scene. Yeah. He's saying like, I've changed. I've changed. I don't know why you can't believe that I've changed to the Joan Cusack character. And mm-hmm. Mar- Moranis is like, yeah, he has changed. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody fully believes and I still don't believe that he intended to put all that money to the park no but you also don't know because he really has just sort of embraced he ends up embracing so many things and he ends up really fostering these connections to these people that he has made and and the his like fellow little mob group that also lives in in these like outlying san diego towns they seem really happy too at first they have their little like seaside brunch where they do sort of seem a little miserable but also they don't right and you do kind of see them like being like hey this isn't so bad and like and so you wonder how much of their their get-togethers are you know, just more of like a social outlet for them, but they really are like adapting and they yeah. really do find just as much happiness in putting that park together as they did, you know, stealing toilet paper and stereos. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. So it's I, I did like sort of like that dichotomy and I almost chose that as my best line, but like, I think no, it was, I was just in the a middle little of bit it. too obvious of a of a philo- philosophical thing, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but but I like how it flipped because what he really molds Rick Moranis into somebody who is outwardly is is changing his appearance and his um yeah confidence. like his physicality his confidence uh, it's all this very like external thing without really changing who he is on the inside very much no. but then Steve Martin without trying to look the part at all does sort of become this sort of small town community member and i i thought that was really cute yeah i i did too i i just thoroughly enjoyed it um did you have a worse line i mean not really just sort of vaguely in the beginning like you you sort of touched on this with the shoes like he says something to her like when he right before or right mixed in there, he says something like, no wonder he left. And then a few minutes later, I think he says something to Rick Moranis about like, no wonder your wife left. And I just thought that was kind of like, like, like really, it didn't. It it fits the character, but it could have been done in a more creative way. Yeah, it does a little bit, except when we look at like how so much of of uh well first of all it seemed really callous in the fact that like his wife just left too so so how would he feel if somebody said that right back to him like i don't know it seemed really really impersonal and and insensitive for somebody who they both know that his wife just left Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um what was the reason that she left and would you like that thrown back in your face but like also he's so clever like we've talked about like everything he says is like either an anecdote like a full-blown anecdote or is some sort of like witty little thing yeah and that just seemed a little a little like it's blandness in not quite being in not being a one-liner actually made it worse if it had been a one-liner then i could have chalked it up to like oh he's just poking at them you know he's he's just trying to be funny and get under their skin but when you just kind of lay it out like that it's like okay you don't need to be a jerk (laughs) um so my worst line and this was i don't remember exactly what led to it it was there he has gotten arrested again rick moranis bails him out they're arguing with joan cusack and steve martin's going on about something about the constitution and um yes i wrote this down just and, <laughs> and he says something like thomas jefferson put that in the constitution which like that was funny for him that was yeah. funny for him her response is he didn't put he didn't it in put for that you. in there for you and my issue with this line is that she would very well know Thomas Jefferson did not write the Constitution. She is a lawyer. She has a law degree. Like, that was my issue. Was like, I was like, she is smart enough to know that that is correct. Like, I, I, I think, like, if he just read, he didn't write the Constitution. Like, it, like, for him, that, like, Thomas Jefferson put that in the Constitution. Like, that makes sense. However, her response, I'm like, she would know this. She would know this. But then his response, his response was so good. Cause he goes, yeah, I'm exactly the fucking guy he put it in for. And I was like, I mean, it's just funny. It doesn't make any sense, but I mean, it's funny. Be honest. Part of that is white, like true. I mean, he's not English, but like well-to-do white guy. Yeah, in in uh, in trouble for white-collar crime. Yep. <laughs> you um, know, but no, I just I that exchange. Yes, it was awkward, but I just loved his attitude in it when he's like Thomas Jefferson put that in the Constitution. I know. And, and then she's she like, just like, I was like, yeah, I'm she exactly would know the like, guy. If her if her if her line was he didn't write the Constitution, then I would be fine with it. But yeah, he didn't yeah. put it in there for you. I'm like. No! You know this! You know better than this! The only thing I can think is that, like, she was just so flustered by him. By the both of them, you know? She just... He got so under her skin and so much on her nerves. And then Rick Moranis would show up and she... They clearly had, you know, like, 
crushes on each other and like a chemistry and stuff. So that's the only thing I could think is that she was just so flustered. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know, know. It just, but it, it was very hard to pick a worst line. It, it, you that, know, was like, only, felt, that was the yeah. only, that was the only, like, as soon as it was said, I was like, well, this is it because I don't have anything else. Like there was so many <laughs> and other. And it's like nitpicky on a detail. It's not even that, like, yes. that because that scene, it was funny. Everything was still so funny. It was so. Like, ugh, it was so good. Please go watch this movie. I, like, it's, it's on, what was it, HBO Max, Paramount Plus? HBO. HBO mm-hmm. Max. It is. I, we just recently let our HBO, like we didn't renew our subscription, um, but I need oh, to renew so, it. No, there's, there's so, so many, many good shows things on, on there. HBO Max. But I, I had like some credits um, on Amazon Prime to the point that I was able to rent it for like 98 cents because okay. I had like digital credits or something um, from choosing slower shipping a couple times i don't know i'll just every once in a while i'll just have like a couple dollars in credit sitting there i'm like i don't know what i did to deserve this but thank you because i get like a movie rental for free so yeah i paid 98 cents for the hd versions of <laughs> to it, rent it and i i almost was like man i should have bought this it's i mean hey you could get your HBO i will watch Max it again. again and then watch there it again I, then i can have it thoroughly enjoyed this movie i so i thought so it was delightful good. um i think the next i was immediately texting my family being like how, how did we not watch this and I, if you don't remember it please go watch it now i actually that is surprising like that really truly knowing well like, yeah, that like, is surprising well, like i was saying like how did i walk into a blockbuster and pick out mixed nuts and not with steve martin one. on the cover but like didn't ever get because, to my blue heaven no this is su- far superior um absolutely did just a, a delightful way to spend an evening when i watched i think i watched this last saturday or something i was like well that was just delightful mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. anyway um i think next on our assuming that i don't veto a movie again um, <laughs> well i've seen i've seen one of them okay we are watching two and Lisa the other Kundrow. one is kind of yeah, and Nora the other one, movies. I I don't think there would be anything like I I should say we both did read the summary to Mixed Nuts at some point during this week and were worried. I yeah, was worried. I was like, didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, but I was like, oh, this could be. I don't think I actually read bad. the summary. I just think I read the cast and was like, okay. And and in my head, I was like. When, when I just looked at the list of, like, Nora Ephron movies and was picking them out, I was like, oh, yeah, Steve Martin makes nuts. Steve Martin might yeah, we'll do sense. this. And I had seen it. I knew in my head somewhere I had seen it. And I had, like like I said, I had this vision. I had, like, these just vague recollections of what happens at the end. Right. But I didn't remember any of this premise. I mostly wow. remembered, like, Juliette Lewis and Anthony LaPaglia and Adam Sandler being freaking weirdos. Oh, out my gosh. That is Anthony Beach LaPaglia. <laughs> Yeah, I did not. I was like, "Who is that?" And, He's so young in that movie, and so and so that was what I remembered. But I didn't remember like this, the main premise of it. And so then when I read the summary, like I want to say on like Wednesday, mm-hmm. like Tuesday or Wednesday before recording, and we're recording this on a Saturday, I was like, "Oh shit, this could really be bad if it's not, not handled well." And it wasn't. Spoiler alert, not handled well. We put too <laughs> the much... things that were going to be bad about it were still bad. Pretty much made it bad. So. Anyway, um, so anyway, hopefully we don't, I don't veto another one of our Nora Ephron movies, but we will be doing the Lisa Kudrow <laughs> safe. Nora Ephron movies, which are, remind me the titles, because I don't know them. Uh, Lucky Numbers, mm-hmm. I believe, is the one with John Travolta. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. I think so. And Hanging Up, which I have seen Hanging Up, like, twice, I think. Okay. Well, I am very um, excited for and those. It, and I am almost curious if Hanging Up it has some... I'll have to look it up, and we'll have to we'll have to find out well, before. But I, I, like, have this vague feeling that Hanging Up might also be vaguely semi-autobiographical in some 
we'll vein look it up. of the story. We'll look it up. I'll, um, I'll, but it's Diane Keaton, Lisa Kudrow, and Meg Ryan, yes. and Walter Matthau as their father. And it's sort of another one of these... Um, we talked about in the last episode sort of the time what did you call it time lapse time, yeah like a time lapse movie um where it takes place years. over the span of several years um with these sort of markers of what's happening with uh, them coming back together with their father yeah. and and yeah so i'm excited because i do remember enjoying it okay um when i saw it and I love Diane Keaton. Love Diane Keaton. Love Meg Ryan. Always love on board for Meg Ryan. Especially when she's paired with Nora Ephron. Yep. So anyway. I, I am excited. And and yes, just oh, if you just need like complete escapism, great, you know, older comedy. Watch this was movie. 1990? 1990. Watch My, my Boo Heaven. Okay. Go watch it. Um, as... As always, you Do can follow us. A favor. Yes. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at bestlineworstline. You can go to our website, which is bestlineworstline.com. Um, you can subscribe and download our podcast at Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Google. Google. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you have you- like a, a Google uh, a block. I don't know. You don't like Google. I just, <laughs> I always, I always forget Google because I, <laughs> but here's the thing, because I listen to podcasts on the other three, That's but I true. don't listen That's to Google true. play. So, um, no, I just what always I'm, block Google, but you can follow us there and please rate and review our podcast. If you enjoy hearing us talk about movies. So there are going to be two rounds of voting for each yes. episode because you have to vote between our best lines. So it'll first be Jessica versus Melanie, and Ooh. then it'll be movie versus movie. Ooh. So you will still have a vote for the best and worst lines from My Blue Heaven. You just Not won't from have a because... vote. Yeah. My Blue Heaven is getting a bye week. Whatever you pick from the four lines that we provide you with, those will automatically go on to congratulations, my blue heaven semifinals or finals or whatever. I don't know. We're <laughs> um, not sports people. Yes. So, <laughs> so still definitely go to Instagram. Even though we, it's only one movie, you still have some voting to do. <laughs> um, and we did pick different lines, which does not always happen. It doesn't always happen. So, and I don't, I don't think it happened in, um, no, it almost happened. It almost happened. It almost happened. It almost but I went did, with the other one. changed <laughs> right, right at the end there. Anyway, thank you for listening. Yes. And we'll see you next time. Have a great week. <laughs>